Glorify your name. Oh, that's some lazy worship right there. Come on, give him some real worship. God in heaven, we bless, we praise your wonderful name. There is nobody like you nowhere. You're God all by yourself. You're God alone, and beside you, there's no other God. And God, tonight, before we ask you for anything, we just want to praise you for everything. We want to bless and magnify your name. You're great and greatly to be praised. So God, we're going to take the breath you let us have and the hands you gave us attached to the arms you let us be able to move and we're going to clap our hands and lift our voice and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Come on, put those hands together and bless his name. Come on, somebody, open your mouth and bless his name. Come on, lift your voice and give him glory. this time on your road, not everybody, but just the person on your road that knows that God has been better to you than everybody else on your road. You're the only one I want praising God this time. I don't want everybody, just the person on your road who knows that God has been He's been better to me than I've been to myself. Take your seat in the house of the Lord. Woo. Uh -huh. Old Saint said he didn't have to do it, but he did. Brought me through some strange stuff, some, some rough stuff, some crazy stuff, some, some things I thought I wasn't going to make it through, but after all I've been through. Thank God. Grateful to the Lord to be here on tonight. Find us saved and sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. I love the Lord for real. Anybody else? Means Jesus every step of the way. I already know what the end's going to be. I'm just going to run on to it. Man, I read my Bible and I know in the end we win. Thank God for being here on tonight. God bless our presiding bishop. Would you help me celebrate the excellence in leadership? Bishop Charles Edward Blake. Thank God for him. God bless our first and second assistant, 
and to the general board and the board of bishops, Mother Rivers, Mother Blake, to uh, my Northern Illinois family. I believe some of them in the house. Amen. And to the Illinois family at large, I believe there's some of them in the house. And, and to my church family, there's a few of them here. Amen. Thank you for being here. And uh, to my spiritual father, my spiritual dad, the leader of the Northern Illinois jurisdiction, Bishop Cody Vernon Marshall. Amen. And uh, to my family, my children that I hear, I have two daughters that made it. And sound like I had extra children. That sounds like more than I brought this. And uh, to the love of my life, my wife, would you stand, Lady Walker, let them see you. That's my girl right there. God bless her. And to each of you, the Lord's people, what a joy and a privilege it is to be here in the house of the Lord on tonight. Now, I understand that this is uh, preaching time and uh, that uh, I may be an unfamiliar face to many of you. And so I need to go ahead on and do whatever it is I'm supposed to be doing. And uh, I promise you I won't preach all night. I say it often, but I'm convinced that it's a, if the Lord has given you a word, it does not take all night to preach it. I am equally convinced that if the Lord has not given you a word, folks don't want to sit up all night while you're trying to preach. So... For that cause, I know I won't be long on tonight. I want to call your attention to uh, one of the general epistles of Paul, Ephesians, uh, that third chapter, and a very well-read verse, man, and I used to be uncomfortable in these type of settings, and I'm um, just starting to calm down as of two minutes ago. I remember once preaching to a large gathering of super educated people. They were there at Bishop James Austin's church there in Chicago and I was nervous as could be. I leaned over to Bishop Austin and I told him, I said, Bishop, I am nervous as I can be. I said, you've got judges here, you have attorneys here, you have doctors here. He leaned back over to me and said, they need to be saved too. <laughs> I calmed down after that. Ephesians 3, 20, 21. Now... unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think. Just for a few moments, I want to entertain your attention in this area. Would you turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, don't doubt the power of God. All right, now, you just turn to somebody that's probably doubting, so leave them alone. Turn to one other person. Trust me, I'm not going to have you talking to your neighbor all night. Some of the people you're sitting next to, they don't believe this stuff, no way. So just turn to somebody else and say, neighbor, I don't know what it is you're facing. I really don't know 
how long you've been facing it. But I do know God is able. Look them dead in the eye and say, so whatever you do, don't doubt the power of God. Amen. Don't doubt him. Listen, don't doubt him. He's able. He's able to deliver. And I pray on tonight that I would be able to strengthen your stands and bring you to the place where your faith won't stand in men, but it will stand in the power of God. That's what Paul told the church at Corinth. He said, listen, I don't want your faith to stand in the wisdom of men, but I want it to stand in the power of God, the power of God. Now that word power, it simply means the ability or right to control people or things. It means political control of a country or area. A person or organization that has a lot of control and influence over other people or organizations. Now, what I just read to you was actually the definition of God. Let me try it again. The ability or right to control people or things. I read somewhere in the scripture that the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord and that he turns it as a river. And if he can change the heart of the king, he can change the heart of a supervisor. He can change the heart of a manager, a district manager, a regional manager. He can change the heart of your neighbor. He can change the heart of a dog. He can change the heart of a Rottweiler. Stop him from barking all night while you're trying to sleep. He can change the heart of the drug dealer and make him move his shop off your corner. He can change the heart because he's in control of people and things. He can change the heart of a nation because he's actually in political control. I know you're going to tell me that the Republicans have gained control and oh boy, what kind of, oh, we're in for some trouble now. You know, the Democrats are in trouble now. But listen, the people of the Lord, we don't depend on Democrats or Republicans. Huh? Our help come from the Lord. We walk by faith and not by sight. We lift up our eyes unto the hills from whence cometh our help. Our help comes from the Lord. It doesn't come from the stock market. You may have money in it and it may be growing. That's because God has blessed it to grow. He gives his people power to get wealth. You may have a very good job and recently received a promotion. That's because promotion doesn't come from the east, the west, or the south, but it comes from God that puts up one and takes down another. God has the power. He's in complete control. Pilate had to learn that because uh, he was questioning Jesus right before the crucifixion. And he said to him, he said, hey, uh, Jesus, you, you're not even going to answer me. Don't you know that I have the power to release you and I have the power to put you to death? Jesus hadn't been talking to Pilate till he started talking crazy. And then he said to him, you would not have any power except it come from above, except my father himself give it to you. Don't doubt the power of God. Romans 16 and 25 says, now to him that is a power to establish you. Establish, establish you, make you strong, settle you in place, put you in the position that you're supposed to be in. Cause it so you can't move even though people don't like you, want you to move, but they can't do a thing about you. Lie on you, stab you in the back, undercut you, undermine you, but God said, I establish you and you can't move. He has the power to do just that. Thank God for the church of God in Christ. Don't doubt the power of God in our church. This church was birthed, this church was not birthed because of skill level and ability. This church was not birthed because uh, Bishop C.H. Mason was a wonderful musician, an organist, a keyboardist, a drummer, percussionist, but he was a man of prayer. 
Bishop C.H. Mason, we're celebrating his 150th uh, birthday. The Lord raised him up and used him to establish this great church that we're part of. He gave him to us as a modern day example of what it means to tap into the power of God through prayer. He calls us to be able to tap in, and I don't mean just shouting and dancing to music, but to know the Lord in a very real way. He poured into the generations of this church, praying and fasting, preaching and declaring the holy truth of God, the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ through the scriptures. My great uncle, Elder P.R. Favors, was one of Bishop Mason's helpers when he came to Chicago. Uh, my grandfather, the late Dr. Isaac Favors, who often preached in the convocation in the 40s and 50s, uh, he was an awesome preacher. I wish I was half the preacher that he was. Uh, he was also poured into by Bishop Mason. As a result of this pouring in, when I was growing up in the church that my grandfather pastored, he kept us on our knees. He kept us fasting. He kept us in revival. See, it's quiet. I can't get no amens about that. He kept us on our knees. He kept us fasting, and he kept us in revival. As a result, we saw, and I personally saw the Lord's hand in the church. I actually remember one of our sisters, Mother Meek, she's out of Racine, Wisconsin, going home to be with the Lord, but she didn't have dental insurance. Obamacare hadn't come to the forefront yet. She had no medical insurance, but her tooth was hurting and she needed it to come out. And since she could not afford to go to the dentist, she prayed and said, Lord, I need you to do something about my tooth. She went to bed and woke up in the morning and the Lord had pulled her tooth. Oh, I can't get no help in here. I saw the Lord's hands. I saw church mothers that would sacrifice and give to the pastor and to the church to help the church go and how the Lord would take care of them. One of our church mothers, Mother Jones, would say, you take care of God's business and he's going to take care of yours. And the Lord would provide her with rent, would see to it that her gas stayed on, lights stayed on. She kept clothes on her back and food in her refrigerator. Her testimony was, if you take care of God's business, he'll take care of yours. I saw crutches that hung on walls because of the hand move of God, wheelchairs in corners, canes on walls, people that everybody thought was getting ready to die. I saw them come back to church praising God and giving him the glory. Uh-huh. Uh, look at somebody and say, don't doubt the power of God. Now in my time, my little time as a preacher, I've been blessed to see some of the same moves of God myself. In my own ministry, I've seen dead raised. Yes, I have. In my own ministry, I've seen people that they gave up for dead. One daughter comes to the church two or three times a year just to say hi, that she had went through the window and crushed her skull, and the doctor said she wouldn't live. If she lived more than three days, she would be a vegetable. And the Lord didn't even let me go to the hospital until the third day. And when I went in there, she was in a coma, and I started talking to her in her coma until she opened her eyes and acknowledged my presence. And to this day, she comes back to the church just to say, hello, the vegetable comes in on two legs, and the vegetable comes in with arms that move in her right mind and says, hello, I've seen the power of God. One sister was in the hospital, and I don't even know what happened myself. The, the daughters called me and said to me, listen, and we need you to come because they've told us we've we've, it's time. We've got to unplug mama. We've got to let her go, take her off of the respirator. And so I went, my wife and I, to the hospital, Olympia Field, St. James. And when we got there, we called the daughters into the room to have a, a final prayer. And I was going to offer some words of comfort. And when I opened my mouth, the words that spilled out was, Lord, give us some more time. I didn't even mean to say it, but it came out. 
we were standing there with the daughters and I thought to myself, even while I was praying, what is this I just said? And I said, Lord, give us some more time. And when we left that hospital, they had to make a decision to unplug mama. They decided they would wait until the next day. The next day came and when they went in the room, mama was sitting up saying, y'all need to take this stuff off of me because I can't breathe. You got this breathing machine on me and I can't breathe. Mm -hmm. Don't doubt the power. Don't doubt the power of God. I've seen God work. I've seen God's ability. God can do anything. I've seen God feel with the Holy Ghost for real. Uh-huh. Look at somebody and tell them again, don't doubt the power of God. Listen, some of you that have never been filled with the Holy Ghost. Listen, God can fill you with the Holy Ghost. I thank God for our presiding Bishop, Bishop Blake, and his desire that every member of the Church of God in Christ be filled with the Holy Ghost. I don't think that that's too far reaching. I think it's the regular. You ought to be filled with the Holy Ghost. He is the power that you need. If you don't have him, he's the power that you're lacking. For the scripture declares in Acts 1 and 8 that ye shall receive power not because you're in the church of God in Christ, not because your family is a pedigreed member, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost mm -hmm, has come upon you. Lift your hands and tell the Lord thank you in here. Listen, I found out that the reason why uh, we struggle sometimes in our churches is because uh, we come to a generation. You got to be careful because we're hanging out in the fifth and almost sixth generation of our church. And we've come a distance. And now we're dealing with uh, some people in our church that don't really know about the power of God. They mistake the experiment of God for the experience of God. What do you mean experiment? There are some people that come to our church to experiment on us. Listen, doc, I'm a preacher, and I tell you what, I'm going to slay the folks when I say this. And they're experimenting. They're looking for you to jump and respond because they grab their ear, but they have no power. They simply have an ear. That's all they have, and they grabbed it, and they're experimenting on us. They experiment on us. They know how to play the keys, and they know how to drop, and they know how to take you up, and they get you all emotional and everything, and you're just jumping and shouting. They're playing with you. They are experimenting. And, and I don't want to be experimented on. I want an experience with God. Lift your hands and say, God, I want to have an experience with you. I don't want to mistake the gift for the anointing. I don't want to just be gifted. Gifted is nice. Every man in here has a gift and it's good to have a gift. But remember, the gift only does one thing. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. But now that you're in the presence of great men, if you want the yoke destroyed, you're going to need an anointing. The gift is not going to work. It's going to need, it's going to take an anointing. And so many of our people are coming to church and enjoying gifts and going home still bound. They enjoy gifts. Oh, didn't he sing? Oh, didn't she tell it? Oh, didn't he preach? And don't even know what was said. Have no deliverance. Go back home still oppressed, still depressed, still going through, still don't have an answer, still crazy, still about to shoot yourself in the head, still about to leave your spouse, still about to blow up everything because you've experienced a gift with no deliverance. Now, 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 I'm going to try to preach here in a little bit. What makes it worse is that there is a group in our church. Not only do they not know about the power of God, but they don't even want the power of God. 
They don't even have an interest in it. They don't really like praise and worship. They don't really like altar service. They don't really want nobody talking about you can be delivered and healed and blessed from that. They really prefer that you approach God strictly from an intellectual standpoint. And so in our church today, we have a lot of counseling programs. Thank God for counseling. But if you ever read your Bible, you don't read where Jesus sat the devil down and brought him into the office and said, listen, how long have you been dealing with this? How long have you been dealing? Nothing wrong with counseling. It has its place. But hey, the devil is to be cast out. Somebody open your mouth and say, Lord, drive him away. They used to sing a song and said, drive him away, Lord. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm a preacher. I got to get, got to get through here. I'm in trouble. I've got to get through here. There are some that don't want real power from God. And so they don't seek it, but they end up in position. They end up in position with no power. They end up preaching no power, end up doing everything with no power. Y'all told me, now y'all, y'all told me this. I, I, I believe you. You told me after I got saved, I wanted to receive the Holy Ghost. They kept on telling, you got to give up everything. I mean, you couldn't have be saved doing nothing. Thank God Bishop Daniels talked about the bad basketball game but man it would let you be basketball football couldn't have look at TV it was the one-eyed demon you could I mean just everything had to give up your girlfriend had to give up your boyfriend y'all made me give up everything y'all told me I couldn't have you know how many numbers I had you know how many girls I was trying to holler at when you told me give up everything Look at somebody and say, give it up. up. You told me, you told me I had to give up everything if I wanted to be filled with the Holy Ghost. But now we've come to a day. You all sit down. You got me excited. Sit down. You got me excited. We've come to a day where we become content just to play church, just to play church, go through the motions of church. We go to the surface worship because we have surface lives. We've really not gone into the depths of God. And we know that people are like this. They play saved. We know that they're playing saved because they know how to play church. They come to church and they've learned our shout. They've learned our dance. They've learned our our church stuff. Some of them are men, and you can't tell by the way they dance. And so, I can't get no help. We just playing church, just playing church with no power. My God, praising with no power, playing with God, playing with the Holy Ghost. Y'all told me we couldn't play with the Holy Ghost. You told me it was too close to blaspheming, but now you look on YouTube and Facebook, folk playing with tongues, speaking in tongues, laughing at the tongues, playing Lincoln stuff together. Y'all told me we couldn't play with God, but this is a day where folks don't really want to have this power. Now, I know I'm getting some, some of you all's nerves, because some of you are thinking, see, that's what I don't like about these preachers. These preachers, they too deep. But I submit to you, it's not that I'm too deep. It's that you're not deep enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. You just playing. You're not deep enough. I remember a few years ago, I went to a vacation in Hawaii, and I was blessed to go to the island of Oahu, and I'd never seen this before. I can't swim. This is the truth. Don't y'all talk about me. I can't swim. I don't walk close to water. Only water I deal with bath and shower. I can't swim. I went to Hawaii, and I looked out on the beach, and for five, six, seven, eight blocks. People were standing up in the water. I looked, I said, man, they're way out there standing in the water. And I said, I think I'm going to try it. I was a little nervous because I can't swim. But I stepped out. I was on a sandbar. And I just stepped out. And I kept on going. And I kept on going. And look at him. Next thing you know, I'm way out there in the water. I decided that what I would do is tell my wife, hey girl, take a picture of me. I'm way out here in the water. 
As a matter of fact, I dipped all the way down and let my head just be there. And I said, girl, take a picture of my head. Send it to the kids. Tell them I'm swimming. Tell them I'm floating. When she sent it to the children, the children laughed. And they said, we don't believe that. We know good and well. Daddy can't swim. And so they wouldn't buy it. They knew that something was fishing because I couldn't really swim. I come to preach in your ear tonight that too many people are standing on spiritual sandbars. They are not really in God. They are not deep in God. They are like me. If I had went too deep, I would have drowned. And so I stayed on the sandbar. If I had drowned, I would have died. I submit to you tonight that we need you to drown. We need your flesh to die. We're sick of having church with your flesh all up in the way. Look at somebody and say, let your flesh die. Mm -hmm. Can I take my coat off? We'll get through here. Uh-huh. Paul said to the church at Philippi that I may know him. Open your mouth and say, I want to know him. Listen, I want you to know God's power is real. He's not fake. He ain't playing. God's power is real. I don't care what you say. He's real. If you want to know him, reach out for him. You'll find him. David said in the Psalm 63, he said, early will I seek thee. I'm going to seek you. I'm not going to seek you for a car. I'm not seeking you for some new clothes. I'm not seeking you for diamonds. I'm not seeking you for a promotion on my job. But early will I seek thee. And I'm going to seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh long for you in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Man, ain't no satisfaction in this world. The world is dry. The world is thirsty. The world is hungry. And the church, the body of believers, we that are in Christ, we have the answer. We cannot allow ourselves to be influenced by the Kool-Aid of the world. The iced tea and the red raspberry tea. The lemonade an iced tea mix. The sparkling water must not deter our conviction that God has real power and God has the power that we doubt not the power of God. Lift your voice and say, God has the power. And that's what he said, I'm going to seek you for because I want to see your power. I want to see your glory as I have seen it in the sanctuary. Open your mouth and shout, don't doubt the power of God. Now the word doubt, it means to be uncertain about something. It means to believe that something may not be true or is unlikely. But how many of you know that God does unlikely things? He does things that are beyond comprehension. The Bible says, and I heard it quoted tonight in Romans the fourth chapter, that he's God that calls things that be not as though they were. He's not looking for anybody to accept him, agree with him, come on board with him. He doesn't have to write for a grant. He doesn't have to get three-fourth majority on his side. He's God and if he wants it, he can call it into being. Let there be light. I don't have to check with the electric company. I don't have to put down a deposit. He says, I'm God and I have light all up in me. As a matter of fact, in him is light and there is no darkness at all. And so he is the God that can do absolutely, unequivocally anything. I wish somebody would say with me, absolutely anything. He can do absolutely anything. Yes, the only thing necessary for us is that we do not doubt. Doubt is the scissors that cut the cord connecting you and your promise from God. When you doubt God, doubt says I cut off your promise and I make you unable to receive from God what he's already ordained for you to have. James 1 and 6 reads, but 
let him that ask, ask in faith, not wavering, not doubting, not coming to a shaky place where you unsure if God can do what he says he can do. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything from the Lord, because he don't even believe God. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things not seen. But faith is so critical. Your belief is so critical. He says without it, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For they that come to him must believe that he is. Don't doubt God. Don't treat your situation like it's bigger than God. Don't look at your circumstance and treat your circumstance as if it has more power than God. That's what Jesus was trying to tell the disciples when he went by and cursed the fig tree that had no fruit on it. And they came back and saw the fig tree dead. They were amazed and astonished. And they said to him, Lord, the tree is dead. And he simply said to them, have faith in God. Don't have faith in the fig tree. Don't have faith in the circumstances surrounding the fig tree. Don't have faith in the failures of the past of the fig tree. Have faith in God. If the fig tree don't feed you, you still go eat. Have faith in God. If the things of the past have died and dried up, have faith in God. I can't preach all night, but I wish you would look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, have faith in God. Mm -hmm. The disciples were confused and bewildered because in the book of Matthew, the 17th chapter, there was a lunatic son that was brought to them and they could not cast the devil out. And when they got privately with Jesus, they said to him, Master, what was the problem? Why couldn't we cast him out? And we jump over one of Jesus' answers. We go right to these kind co not out, but by fasting and prayer. But back up a little bit. The first thing Jesus said to him was because of your unbelief. You don't even believe you have authority over the enemy. Some of you are letting the devil just run ruckshot through your life. You're not even challenging the stuff that the enemy does. You even have the audacity to say, ooh baby, this ain't nothing but the devil. And then let him go like you don't have any authority to cast him out. You stop praying. You stop believing. You stop talking back to the devil. That's why I like them old saints. Them old saints knew how to pray. They knew how to talk to that fella. They say, lose here, you lying wonder. And they meant it too. They say, get on out of here, your slew for dragging you. And they meant it too. They would say, Lord, drive him away. They would begin to plead the blood of Jesus over that devil. I don't care how folk came in the house. They come in the house drunk, smelling like I don't know what. Come in stumbling. Them old mothers would get up and begin to say, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. And they go to anoint that man with all that. Come on out of here, devil. Come on, lose him, you lying one. Come on out. And the next thing you know, that man, he couldn't even hardly talk. But before the night was over, the alcohol had bled through his skin. The purge had come out of his mouth. His hands were lifted up. And he was saying, yes, to the Lord. Uh, somebody throw your hands up and shout yes 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 uh, yes unbelief will mess you up every time don't doubt the power of God believe God for everything you need God will meet you at the place of your need whatever it is you need God will meet you at it yes he will as a matter of fact he promised in his word my God shall supply not 80% of your need but all of your need 
according to his riches. Don't go with me. I ain't gone. According to his riches in glory. Yes, whatever it is you need from God, he's able to supply it. Somebody needs wisdom tonight. God will give you wisdom. You need some wisdom. The reason why you keep falling in love with the wrong person every time is because you don't have any wisdom. If it looked like a snake, if it act like a snake, no need to take it any further. At best, it's a big worm and you don't want him. You need to throw him back. That's why you keep falling in love with the wrong person because you have no wisdom. That's why you're doing everything, trying to be seen, but because you have no wisdom to know how to operate and go in and out amongst God's people, you keep getting overlooked. You're talented and you're angry. You're skilled, but you're bitter because nobody is putting your name on the program. That's because you don't have wisdom. You got to stop complaining and fussing and arguing in the corners and talking about the people in power and dogging folks out in the back because what you don't understand is that somebody in your group, the little bird is running and telling the stuff that you are saying. If you had wisdom, the Bible said a fool is wise. If he shut his mouth, you got to learn how to be quiet and wait on God. As a matter of fact, you need patience. The Bible says you have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Lift your hands and say, Lord, give me what I need. You see, because God has the power to give you everything that you need. Yes, he can. And I heard one preacher say that if God can do anything, then he can do everything. I wish you would look at your neighbor and say that. Say, neighbor, if God can do anything, then he can do everything. What is that you need from the Lord? God is able and he can do absolutely anything. He's not a man that he should lie. Neither is he the son of man that he should repent. If he said it, he can bring it to pass. If he's spoken it, he can perform it. God cannot lie. It's impossible for God to lie. And God did not lie concerning you. He can do anything. It's nothing too hard for God. That's what Abraham had to learn and so do we. We mustn't doubt the power of God. I've got a question for you, Abraham. Is there anything too hard for God? God can do anything. Shall I call to Rome? Abraham and Sarah, you're too old to have a baby, but yet you're going to have one. Not because you have the goods, but because I said you're going to have one. Isaac and Rebecca, Rebecca can't have no children, yet she's going to have an Esau and a Jacob. Jacob's going to be a supplanter, but Jacob have I loved, and Esau have I hated. Therefore, I'm going to change his name to Israel. Israel's going to have some sons. Joseph is going to be thrown in a home. He's going from the hole to the jail cell. But I've already ordained it that he's going to be second in Egypt. They're going to grow up in Egypt. And it's going to be a big old family. Because I told Abraham a long time ago, Abraham, you're going to be blessed. I'm going to bless your seed. It's going be as the sands of the sea and don't you know Abraham you won't be here to see it but they gonna go into bondage under a people that they're not of but after 400 years I'm gonna bring them out with great substance lift your hands and shout hallelujah Yes, God can do anything. So he brings Joseph and them into Egypt. They grow up and they go into bondage. But the more that they were afflicted, the more they begin to multiply. Your affliction is your increase. I don't have time to preach that. But after a while, Moses was born. And Moses was drawn out 
because he had to be the one that would bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. Take me back down. Yes, yes, yes. And so after 40 years, you would think now he's young, he's strong, he's smart now. He's got his wits about him. It's time to bring the children out. But he was 40 years old when God said, I've got to take you to the backside of the desert and train you about life. And after 40 more years, he was 80 years old when God said, now I'm ready for you to go in because when you bring them out, it's going to be by my power and not by yours. And so he brought the children of Israel out. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years until Moses smote the rock and God said, follow me up to the mountain. I'm making a change in leadership. And he said, Joshua, my servant Moses is dead. I want you to arise and get ready to take this people over Jordan into the land that I promised them. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you're going to meditate in it day and night to do everything written therein. For in that you'll make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. Joshua got up and took them over across Jordan's river. On the other side, the walls were up. Jericho was shut up against them, but God made a promise and walls can't stop it. And so he marched them around the walls until the walls fell down flat because whatever God has spoken has to come to pass. Why don't you look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, whatever God has spoken has to come to pass in your life. What is it you need? Need from the Lord. God can do anything. And if he can do anything, he can do everything. Nothing too hard for him. He can heal all manner of sickness. I don't care what it is. He can heal arthritis. He can heal rheumatoid arthritis. He can heal low blood pressure. He can heal hypertension, hyperactive thyroid, diabetes. He can heal sensitive skin. He can heal water retention, bad knees, head aching, dizzy spells, fainting spells, blood clots, cancers of all types, ear aches. He can heal vertigo, upset stomachs, shortness of breath, heart palpitations, skin irritations, skin rashes, skin growths, hair falling out, weight too much, weight too little, burning in your eyes, blurry vision, no vision, weak muscles, he can heal ADD, ADHD, bipolar disorders, schizophrenia, autism, you're seeing things in the middle of the night, he can heal it, yes he can, he can deliver, deliver from fear, fear of rejection, fear of success, fear of failure, suicidal thoughts, self-destructive behavior, depression, oppression, addictions to drugs. He can heal from acid. He can heal from prescription medications. He can heal from marijuana. He can deliver from cocaine, crack cocaine, heroin addictions, paint cans, sniffing gasoline, sniffing a nail polish. I don't care what you're doing. If you've been snorting it, if you've been shooting it, if you've been drinking it, if you've been snorting, shooting, drinking it all at the same time, why don't you look at somebody and tell them, don't doubt the power of God. I've got to close, y'all. I've been preaching too long now, but all I'm trying to tell you is that now on the hill, I wish you would give him a hand wave. It's out now on the hill. I wish you would come into your now season and shout now on the hill that is able. Why don't you throw your arms around somebody and tell them, yes, he's able. Whatever it is, the Lord is able. Whatever it is, he can turn it around. Shout glory. Shout glory. Yes, yes, yes. 
He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all you ask or think according to the power that's at work in us. In other words, God is able to blow your mind. Why don't you shake your neighbor's hand and tell them, neighbor, get ready for a move of God to take over your life. God's getting ready to blow your mind. You thought you was going under, but God has decided I'm bringing you out. And when I bring you out, it's going to be people looking at you. They're not going to understand how you got out. There are going to be some people that were hoping you wouldn't get out. There will be some people that can't stand your cuts. But you need to give God, give him the glory for your enemies. Because God sent them. Because he told you, I'm anointing you. And the anointing that I have for you is on another level. So I had to give you some enemies because you needed a footstool to reach the next level. And I told you I was going to make your enemies your footstool. Quit crying about the people that don't like you and step up. Step up in your praise. Step up. Step up in your worship. Let the devil know you thought you had me, but I got away. I didn't get away just so I could brag, but I got away because I'm going to give God a little more praise. I'm going to give God a little more thank you. As a matter of fact, just to make the devil out of a great big lie right here in this place, in my now season, I'm giving God the biggest praise in my spirit. I'm going to shout. I'm going to leap. I'm giving him glory because God is bringing me through it. God is bringing me out. Shout glory. Shout glory. Shout glory. Look at somebody and tell them, neighbor, give me 30 seconds to do a Judy McAllister. Look at him and say, watch me praise him. I'm giving you 30 seconds to get your praise on. That's all you have because of what God is doing. Go head on and give it to him. All over there in the corner, I see your hands up. Give him glory for your deliverance. Shout in this house. finish the rest in your hotel room as a matter of fact you in that hotel room right now break out in a dance you couldn't get out here tonight but break in a dance right where you are I can see in the spirit give God the glory hold that music I got to quit I've been up here long enough I started bleeding, and I 
and I didn't want to tell my wife. I was passing blood and I knew I was sick. We landed in Africa on Tuesday. I was sick and I still hadn't told her. But on Wednesday, it became too much for me. And so I had to tell her I'm not doing good. I'm bleeding from my body. And we went on with the rest of the day. By the time Wednesday night came, I had no strength in my body. I was passing out in the red, beautiful African soil. They brought me back home early Thursday morning. They woke up, I couldn't get out the bed. They said, we gotta get him to the hospital. I'm giving you a short version. They took me to the hospital. When they got me in there, your hemoglobin level ought to be 17. 14 is good. 10 is questionable. Seven, they keeping you. But when I got to the hospital, my hemoglobin level was 6.2. I was bleeding, and now I was throwing up. Throwing up blood. Passing blood. I was laying in the hospital from the morning to the evening. In the evening, the doctor came in, looked at my wife with worry on his face. He said, your husband's blood level has dropped to 5.2. I'm at 5.2 and I'm bleeding. And then he told my wife, he needs a blood transfusion. And then he told my wife, we don't have no blood for him. It got serious right then. I went from bleeding to dying. I'm laying there dying in the hospital over in Africa. They took me and said, we're going to transfer you to the main hospital. They sent me to the main hospital. When I got there, the main hospital emergency doctor looked at me and said, I don't know why they sent you here. We told them when they called us, there was nothing we could do for you. And they put me back in the ambulance and sent me back to the hospital where I came from. I'm laying there bleeding. I'm dying over in Africa. My wife got on the phone, called back to the States, got in touch with my mama. Mama called the bishop. Bishop told everybody. Folks start praying everywhere. Pastor Sabawo, come here, man, there he is. He brought the church into my bedroom. They surrounded me and they went to praying. It was so bad that the doctors came in. The doctor said, can we pray? It got so bad to the hotel staff. They came over and said, can we pray? It got so bad to the security guard in the parking lot. He came in and said, can we pray? The saints was praying in Africa and in America. I don't know what happened. I don't know who God talked to. If it was Gabriel or Michael. But Thursday night, they told us we have no blood. But Friday morning, 6 o'clock in the morning, the doctor came in the room, told one of my preachers, said his blood will be here in one hour. Overnight, I went from dying to living because of the blood. I wish you would shake somebody's hand and tell them it's power. from that hospital. I came home to America. When I got here, my blood dropped back down to 6.2. I was back in the hospital, laying there on my back, getting depressed. God, why'd you let this happen to me? God, why'd I have to go through this? God, why did you let me live? God, why do I have to live? I wish you had took me on home. I don't wanna have to go through this. 
I was talking to God. They let me out the hospital. And after they let me out the hospital, I went home and the first call I got was from a friend of mine who's an undertaker. Tell somebody God will test you. And the undertaker said, Reverend, I came up with a great idea. We're going to put our funeral home on one side of the fan and we're going to put you and your wife on the... I wasn't ready to go to the other side like I thought. And so they made these fans. After that, we had our family conference and I was out of the States. So I didn't get a chance to see the programs before they were printed. But when I got home and looked at the program, the front was beautiful. The inside was spectacular. But I turned it over and it was blank. I started getting ready to get upset. Why would we print programs and the backside be blank? But I didn't say anything. I got the funeral home fan and I got a blank program. And while I was sitting there, the Lord spoke to me, Bishop Daniels, and said, you don't get it, son, do you? I said, well, Lord, what is it? He said, look at the fan. You could have been in the funeral home, but I didn't let that happen. He said, look at your program. On the front was my picture. On the back was a blank sign. And he said, you don't get it, do you? I said, yes, Lord, what is it? He said, son, the reason why you're still here is because you're an unfinished program. If I was done with you, I would have let them take you out of here. But I still got some stuff for you to do. I wish you would look at your neighbor and tell him, neighbor, he's not the only one. You're an unfinished program. God's got more for you. Get yourself together. Quit crying and whining about the stuff you're going through. Quit treating God like he's not able. Throw your hands up and give God glory. And believe God until he brings you out of it. If God didn't want you in it, he could have taken you out. But the only reason God let you go through it is because he knew that you had the goods to withstand the test and remember what he said there's no temptation that's taken you but such as is common common to man but with every temptation God has given you a way of escape I don't know how I don't know when I don't know where but I do know you're coming out of it even if you think you're not Yes, you are. You ought to throw up your hands and shout, yes, I am. I'm coming out. And when I come out, I'm going to be dancing. And because I know that it's bringing me out, I'm not going to wait till the battle is over. But somebody shout. Somebody shout. Somebody dance. Somebody bless him. Because the worst, the worst is over.
The pressure of the job, 